Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. This is Montgomery County Today, and I'm Durley with the Public Information Office. Today's podcast features a discussion on local and small business during a virtual town hall meeting from the New River Valley Public Health Task Force on May 27th. Representatives from across the NRV participated. Here is moderator Kevin Bird. Good evening, and welcome to the fourth installment in a series of six virtual town halls being presented by the New River Valley Public Health Task Force. We appreciate you welcoming us into your homes or wherever you may be viewing this event. We are joined again this week by Doug Williams, who is providing sign language interpretation services. Thank you, Doug, for your assistance with our series. You will learn as we move through our program The New River Valley is blessed with leaders who care deeply about our communities and they truly work well together. As a result, our citizens should feel confident as we collectively navigate COVID-19 in the New River Valley. My name is Kevin Bird and I'm the Executive Director of the New River Valley Regional Commission and have the pleasure of serving as moderator for the virtual town hall series. The New River Valley Public Health Task Force I referenced earlier has been hard at work since early March, aligning resources and deploying strategies to support the public health needs of our region. Nearly four months ago, local law enforcement, fire and rescue organizations, hospital and public health officials, local government managers, local public information officers, education officials, and others began to develop and activate regional plans for the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, the New River Valley Public Health Task Force has been working through phase one mitigation, providing increasing levels of testing to all communities in the region and securing testing resources and protective equipment for frontline medical and public safety personnel. Each week since March, the task force has provided scalable drive-through test sites across the NRV with faster turnaround time for test results. The task force also prioritized clear and consistent messaging and an abundance of public information, a result of which is this six-week series of virtual interactive town halls with our fourth one tonight. Our series continues this week with the topic of local and small business. The panelists assembled this evening are directly involved with the New River Valley's response to COVID-19. Tonight's panel is comprised of Chamber of Commerce directors, tourism directors, and small business experts across the region. They've been interacting daily with businesses confronted with abrupt change. During our discussions tonight, you may hear us use the acronym DMO, which stands for Destination Marketing Organization. This is the entity charged with tourism marketing, and there are five DMOs in the New River Valley representing each county and the city in the region. The questions the panel will be addressing were submitted by residents across the region prior to tonight's town hall. For more information about this series and to submit questions for future panels, please visit www.montva.com forward slash NRV town hall. You may also submit live questions via Twitter by using the hashtag NRV stronger together. We'll answer them as we're able with time permitting. As I introduce each panelist, they will provide a brief introductory statement. First up tonight, we have Cora Nagy, 
She's the Giles County Tourism Marketing Director. Good evening. Thank you so much. Everyone, I'm so excited to be here this evening and chat with you. Um, I am the Tourism Marketing Director in Giles County, have been there for a little over five years when they created the department, um, realizing and recognizing all of the assets and impact that tourism and visitors can have uh, in Giles and in our region. Thank you, Cora. Next, we have Sharon Scott with Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce. She's the director. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you to, uh, to everyone watching this evening. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, especially with the dedicated professionals that are, you're also seeing on the screen. I am the executive director for the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce. We are not a division of the county government. We are a standalone chamber of commerce serving 650 members um, in Blacksburg, Christiansburg, and all of Montgomery County. Um, I've been with the organization for seven years, or this is my going into my seventh year. Thank you, Sharon. Next, we have John McInnill, Floyd County Chamber of Commerce Director. Good evening, everyone. Um, I've been with the Floyd County Chamber of Commerce for about over 15 years now. The last six years uh, as the executive director and prior to that, a longtime board member. Um, the vast majority of our membership, uh, uh, typical for one stoplight county, is uh, most of our businesses are micro businesses. We are fortunate to be able to operate a seven day a week visitor center in partnership with our Floyd Tourism Office. Thank you, John. Next, uh, Peggy White, the Plassey County Chamber of Commerce Director and Tourism Director for the county. Thank you, Kevin. It's wonderful to be here tonight and to be with everybody. Um, I have been with the chamber for 20 years and I also serve in two, two hats as the executive director of the chamber and also as a DMO, which is a little different throughout the state of Virginia, you'll find very few of us that have that, but I find it to be a perfect fit, especially when you're dealing with your smaller businesses. Thank you, Peggy. Next is Sierra Harris. She's the Radford City Chamber of Commerce Director. Thank you, Kevin. I'm very excited to be here with all of you all and our NRV partners. Um, I'm Sierra Harris, the executive director of the Radford Chamber of Commerce. I've been with the Radford Chamber for almost a year and a half um, and just delighted to be with everyone um, and, and thank you for having us tonight. Great. Thanks, Sierra. Next is Casey Jenkins. He's with Downtown Blacksburg Incorporated as their executive director. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I appreciate to be here tonight. Uh, my name is Casey, the new director for Downtown Blacksburg Inc., which is a merchant association and business advocacy group that works to promote economic and community development in the downtown district for Blacksburg, Virginia. Great. Thank you, Casey. Next, we have Cheryl Tucker. She's with the Roanoke Region Small Business Development Center, and she is the New River Valley Business Advisor. Yes, thank you, Kevin, and thank you for be, letting us be on here tonight with such esteemed um, partners, NRV partners. I've been with the Small Business Development Center almost a year and a half. Uh, it was created through the New River Valley Local Funding Support 
a Go Virginia grant and a one-to-one -one match from the Small Business Administration. I'm not part of a government. Um, I am actually, we are part, the state arm of the Small Business Administration, basically. And we provide pro bono advising sessions from for all businesses from start up till if people are needing to exit the, the business, which uh, in these times we're worried uh, and, and been talking to a lot of clients about this. Great. Thank you, Cheryl. And thanks to each of our panelists for joining us this evening and providing insights on the response to COVID-19 in the New River Valley. Our first series of questions this evening is about businesses reopening, many of which is the first time since March. We're now nearly two weeks into phase one of reopening businesses in the region. So what's the general business sentiment among owners of, of businesses in your communities right now? Uh, Kevin, I'd like to answer that if it's okay, or I'd like to start if you all are right, all right with that. Um, I think they're all over the board. It's um, from you have businesses still in the process of evaluating whether they want to be in business to businesses trying to uh, see if they can sustain through this and what it's going to take to sustain and what they have to do uh, as far as whether they can reopen under the current business standards that are being set forth. Um, a lot of the businesses are, I think, frustrated where they're dealing with a lot of other things. Cost of goods have gone up. So you have a really mixture of things happening that we're having to see where we're having to deal with them almost one-on-one -on -one as to what it is their needs are going to be. And um, the industry, wow. that's a whole different board. But right now with the small business, it, I think it's a one-on-one -on -one evaluation for each of them especially with the things that have been set forth. Others, feel free to chime in. I know you're hearing a lot from people in the community right now. I, um, I think uh, Casey and I were chatting about this and the, the word we would use would be cautiously optimistic. Is that right, Casey? <laughs> yeah. Some of our, yeah, some of our businesses um, were actually had countdown calendars to when they would be reopening. They were so excited about seeing their customers. We have others that um, have evaluated the protection uh, necessary for their customers and for their employees to feel comfortable. Uh, so they're choosing to wait. And, you know, to add to that, Sharon, I think, and, and that's okay for those that are choosing to wait. I think that's also important to reiterate optimistic is certainly what we're seeing a lot in Montgomery County and Blacksburg in particular. Um, and so I think uh, that confidence of those business owners will only go up see from here. But right now, it really does run the gamut uh, from those that are opening now to those that will be opening here shortly. And so patience will be a key as well as we move forward. Um, I, I, would, I would like to say that I'm, I'm proud of what I see throughout the New River Valley, the resiliency of the businesses, the creativity, um, the, the collaboration among businesses, and the wide variety of, of approaches. Um, I think we're all learning from one another. I think if we keep our eyes open, um, I think we can... It, it really truly resonates the, the message of we're all in this together. On that note, I would like to just add the kind of 
piggybacking off of what John mentioned with our member to member support has been really encouraging as well when we have members coming up with new innovative ways to support um, not just within the city and surrounding areas of Radford, but in the NRV um, programs to support different businesses that way. So that's really encouraging. And, and also just to share the comfortability of protecting your employees is a high um, level on, on the minds of our business owners there. If you're, it, especially if your health is at risk, um, if you have someone older on an employee side, taking the proper precautions to um, make sure everyone is safe internally. Well, I'm sure you all have seen a lot of impressive things with the businesses in your community. So can you all talk about some of the positives that you've observed uh, with the businesses in your communities? I would like to share the number of opportunities for outdoor dining. Um, this is a positive that I feel, um, and a lot of um, our counterparts here will probably agree, um, it's kind of been, I know specifically to Radford, there are some limited patio areas, but our businesses have really become, um, and just within the city, we have pocket parks and Carson's mm -hmm. Courtyard in Radford, and there have been um, tables placed to better accommodate our community and our, um, our businesses to provide that service and along with the community to sit outside and enjoy the outdoors is something that um, I know in, in, in the NRV as a whole, we're all trying to encourage is to get outside and enjoy this time. This is something that this is an asset of Radford in the surrounding area. And I'll, I'll piggyback off of that real quick too. The town of Blacksburg is looking at that in the same uh, fashion right now with outdoor dining. BBI um, is, is working with the town of Blacksburg and its staff to look at non-traditional dining options to expand the outdoor dining for streets uh, and, and parking spaces in the downtown district. And we're really working very well together to establish where that is and logistics behind it so that restaurants can expand uh, that seating capacity for their folks uh, and for the community to enjoy that. And, Seeing that being done in that partnership is really great to see right now. It is. People are really coming together in surprising ways. I've seen businesses helping each other out financially and as well as, you know, this is really our time. I mean, look at this great area that we live in and all these small businesses, the outfitters and campgrounds and things. This is their time. And, and Kevin, along with that, the, the great thing to see was the businesses that were supporting those first responders um, with food. And then we also have a local engraving company that pivoted to produce PPE um, for local businesses so that they could reopen. With, within the first week of uh, the stay at home, um, we had many local restaurants throughout the New River Valley stepping forward to provide free meal to those who needed it, especially those of school age uh, K-12. It's been very impressive to see how the restaurant industry, which has been hit hard, um, still rise to the occasion and, and help their fellow community members. Well, fantastic. Um, now, what are some steps that the businesses or owners are taking to protect themselves and their employees and their patrons? 
Kevin, I think um, one of the most exciting things that we've seen, and again, it's been great to work together. Most of the people on the screen that you're seeing this evening collaborated to build the guidebook, um, Work Smart, Work Safe, We're Stronger Together uh, guidebook. And we developed strategies to help business owners understand what it would take to reopen, what are the steps that they should be taking to protect their employees, and what should they be doing to um, protect the customers and enhance that level of customer confidence coming back out having been um, in the stay-at-home mode for, for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I'll also say that in addition to that resource, you know, so many of the industry associations, whether that's restaurants, lodging, uh, your niche industry association, they have been um, so helpful to our small businesses of getting information out to them, but then also for our small businesses that are listening or that are in our communities, we also are connected to quite a bit of that, that information. And so it's been great to not only take this resource locally that we've worked on together, but then pair that and match our small business needs with, with industry standards or, or in update information coming from them. Sharon alluded to the protection of clients and customers. And so one thing really neat that I've seen and talked to a local um, barbershop business owner about, he's implemented a health questionnaire. So he's really taking a lot of steps in that protection um, piece of all of this, where um, upon calling to um, book your appointment for your um, haircut, you have to answer this health questionnaire on the phone and make sure you're able to even book your appointment. And then upon um, getting to your, your appointment, you have to fill it out again. And so to make sure there's not been any changes in your health status from the time that you booked until the day of. And so um, upon arriving, you'll have to do those, that questionnaire again. Um, immediately you're asked to go wash your hands, um, obviously making sure you're wearing a mask when you enter. So he's really taking a lot of the proper steps to ensure cleanliness and safety for his clients. And I'll just add to that real quick. Um, you know, Sharon mentioned the word confidence, which really goes a long way here. Um, and it's actually a plug-in for Sharon. Um, she was kind of one of the lead writers of that guide, that 52-page guide that she was referring to. But that confidence really comes in how the businesses communicate with their employees internally and the public and patrons. So, uh, again, the, the example of the barbershop, uh, as well as, you know, posting a cleaning schedule on your window, you know, things along those lines will go a long way to foster and facilitate confidence, which right now is the biggest key, I think, uh, for both the customers and employees as we navigate this and get businesses back up on their feet. Casey, you hit the nail on the head right there. And I think that needs to be emphasized. They need to have the signage and they need to visually be showing what they're doing to build that confidence back up. Wearing face masks, have a sign posted, absolutely. And uh, as far as um, some other resources we have from the state of Virginia and the SBDCs on our website at www.roanokesmallbusiness.org, a listing of actually print, a downloadable, printable 
signage that could be used in the in the windows of our local businesses. Well, Sharon, you referenced the New River Valley Working Smart, Working Safe guidebook, and people can find that on the website I referenced in our welcome at uh, montva.com, uh, NRV Town Hall. And as the governor releases additional advisement, we're working to keep that document updated. So in its current format, we'll, we'll be inserting the governor's advisement on the front end of that and keep it more, keep it a dynamic uh, resource document for businesses um, and just for our viewers that's something that the public health task force had assigned to a subgroup that many of these folks who are on our panel tonight contributed to and again just shows the level of collaboration and everybody pitching in in the nearer valley to get information out there and support these businesses to the greatest extent possible great um, so we talked about ways to keep people safe and that guidebook provides information about how to operate. But what if somebody has a concern or a complaint about an unsafe practices that they might observe and who should they contact? Kevin, um, the, this group, we chatted a little bit about that. And um, one of the first steps that you would want to take is having a, a civil kind and compassionate conversation with the business owner or manager. They may not be aware of the infraction. If it's, um, if it's something else, then as an employee, you need to report that if you've, you've already addressed it with the, the manager or the owner and it's not being changed, then you should probably have that conversation with the Department of Labor. And the next step from the consumer side would be to have the conversation with the local health department. Great, thank you. Um, I guess recently the governor came out and um, is highly recommending or mandating masks in public places. Um, can stores mandate everyone wear a mask or a face covering prior to entering their store? Um, well, I guess I, I can answer that based on um, the new executive order number 63 that was signed by Governor Northam um, on Monday, uh, May 26th. Uh, he is mandating that all people in public places wear masks. Um, and that would be more of the cloth or bandana, a mask. Or, or scarf, uh, they, he's emphasizing that the medical grade masks need to be reserved for healthcare professionals. Um, any person that's under the age, or that's the age of 10 and older, they must wear a mask or face covering at all times while entering, exiting, traveling through, and spending time in the following public places. So, there, all of this is actually on the governor's website, but I'll go ahead and, and mention these to you. There are seven settings, which covers quite a bit. One's personal care and grooming businesses, uh, essential and non-essential brick and mortar retail, including grocery stores and pharmacies. So I think that kind of answered that one particular question. All food and beverage establishments, entertainment or public amusement establishments 
um, who are permitted to open right now. Um, any public transportation, you need to be wearing a mask um, and in the congregating areas to board that. Um, all state and local state and local government buildings in areas where the public accesses services. Any indoor space shared by groups of people who may congregate within six feet of one another or who are in close proximity to each other for more than 10 minutes. It's a lot of detail. There are six exceptions. Uh, first is if you are in a food and beverage establishment, while you're eating or drinking, you can take the mask off. Um, if you are exercising, you don't need to wear a mask. Uh, children under the age of two do not need to wear a mask. A person seeking to communicate with a hearing impaired person does not need to wear a mask. And they need to keep their mouth visible so that they can, the hearing impaired can hear or re lip sync. Um, and then anyone with a health condition that keeps them from wearing a mask covering. They are strongly advising children over the age of two to wear a face covering to whatever extent possible. Um, the law enforcement uh, agencies are not will not be involved in enforcing it, but the, the Department of Public Health will be. And just piggybacking onto what uh, Sharon so not nicely put is when these are in, you are in these situations, try and have a nice everybody nice civil courteous conversation, um, and and from the small business point of view and from the customer point point of view, we all have to be at a comfort level that is okay with us. If you feel uncomfortable in a situation, you need to either talk or or leave. Not everybody's going to be ready to open their businesses and or visit the businesses at this current time. So it's all going to be need to be patience and flexibility. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. So I think businesses are contemplating reopening and if you look at the guidance, it appears there's additional costs that might be involved in operating. Um, can businesses charge a fee to cover these additional safety measures that might be required by the state? Yes, they can, Kevin. Um, many businesses nationwide and certainly locally are doing this, um, and they're doing it in a variety of ways. It can be a flat fee, it can be a percentage of the cost, but the reality is it, it's an expense, and normally, you, if, a, if a cost goes up, you might not say um, specifically, well, our, our gasoline prices went up, I'm going to pass it along to the customer. In this case, um, it, it's challenging sometimes for business owners, especially small business owners, to go back in and reprogram their point of sale systems to have the, the, a COVID fee. Um, so it's easier for us to add that COVID fee and it's perfectly legal as long as the, uh, the business owner um, states that, puts it out there for the customer to know. 
So it could be added as a, a flat fee or it could be a percentage. But again, as long as that business makes it clear, uh, whether regardless of what type of business it is. So what types of special initiatives have you all either helped facilitate in communities or have seen taken shape on their own? I'd like to share our Giles County gift card program with everyone. Uh, this program was uh, devised and implemented very quickly with the intent and very focused goal to provide immediate revenue generation for our participating partners. And so within a matter of approximately three days, we communicated um, and brought on partners uh, either in the restaurant, dining, or lodging worlds here in Giles and set up an online portal for customers to support their favorite local businesses by purchasing a $20 gift voucher. The added part there is we also worked with our local towns here in Giles and the Giles County Board of Supervisors to additionally fund those gift cards. Uh, to the tune of 50% added value. So customers purchasing a $20 gift card get $10 added on as a stimulus from their local governing bodies. So the customer and the business get a $30 value. Um, nine weeks we've been doing this program. Super excited to be able to say within those nine weeks, we've done 117,000 $480 to our local participating partners. That is so, awesome. That's great. <laughs> it is, it's been a great program. Um, and, and that's to be said of our businesses um, and also their customers that want to be with them through this program and through this or through this time. Um, that's over 4,000 vouchers. Um, and so we're really excited that we've been able to immediately send checks to our participating partners uh, to help them. We've had some uh, comments back from, from partners that have said it didn't seem like much, you know, it might have been a $600 check or an $800 check, but that helped them get through one week. And as we all know, getting through one day or one week up Absolutely. to this point has been really um, challenging for some. So I'm super proud of everybody here in Giles. And we've also seen great support from customers of the New River Valley um, to, to try to manage and figure out um, how we can still be supportive and see our small businesses um, make it through this. Kevin, I'd like to share some things um, specific to Radford, if I could. Um, our members and just general business owners have been so supportive of each other, and that's really encouraging. I know for a lot of us, chamber um, and economic development directors just to see that collaboration happen. One example um, of a local member started, I don't, um, a lot of you all are I'm sure familiar with a t-shirt program. Um, and so where you, the purchase of a t-shirt that is branded for, uh, there's one for Giles, for all of our NRV, Floyd, um, Montgomery, Christiansburg, um, Pulaski, um, and Radford. And with the purchase of these t-shirts, there's a half of the 
the cost of that, the $10, what you're paying is going to any business of your choosing. When you go in to pay for that shirt, um, you just type in whatever, wherever you would like to see that money go. Um, and it has been really exciting to hear the stories um, the owner of this business has shared with me. Um, he's received thank you cards. Um, because they're, they're sending these checks, you know, and, and making that kind of scattered around and that give back to businesses in the NRV footprint. And the time that's been taken from the businesses receiving this generous donation is sending back thank you cards and just um, the kindness that is being spread around is really encouraging. There has also been a local car wash that did something similar with the gift cards, um, purchasing bulk gift cards from local restaurants. And with a car wash purchase, you are given, um, you're given any, uh, what they have on hand, of course, a gift card to a local restaurant. And so it's really just encouraging going out um, and applying that or eating somewhere you've not eaten before and just really encouraging that local um, community support. And also with our city um, entities and our local police department was able to pull together um, a restaurant bingo card. And so uh, that is encouraging all of our locals to go out and support restaurants. And with the, um, with the bingo, you, you're entered in for a chance to win um, a nice prize. So that's, those are just a couple of things. And I know everyone else has seen similar programs and initiatives as well. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there just for a sec, which is, um, you know, I think to, to both of your points, I, I've never seen the community wrap their arms around the business community as much as I have right now. Um, and uh, that really warms my heart quite a bit. And I think, you know, again, gift cards, gift cards, curbside delivery, um, we, we've seen, you know, that's really as unprecedented viruses, the volume to the extent that it's being used now. And I think that really goes a long way. That call to action has never been greater than it is now and has been the past couple of months. And, um, you know, uh, Sharon at the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce, you know, over 50% of her members are in Blacksburg, actually, versus the uh, county of Christiansburg. And so that speaks to the volume here in Montgomery County. And Sharon, you probably want to talk a little bit about the uh, hashtag my footprint because that certainly speaks to what this is all about. Thank you, Casey. Um, we did launch a, an initiative. It was scheduled to be launched this year anyway, and it just happened that we rolled it out during uh, the first part of April. I'm, I'm going to hold up this little decal. Um, it's by local. And what does your footprint say about you? We want our residents and our citizens and everyone in the community to think about where they're spending their money. Um, because that supports our schools, it supports our public safety programs, it keeps our, our businesses and our employees employed. It, it's so important to remember to buy locally. And, and it's important for us to think about re that regionally as well. Um, I've done some math on this, and if, um, if back in February, um, we were to increase our, our shopping local by 10%, if the Board of Supervisors chose to use the money that way, we could have hired 13 to 17 new teachers or we could have purchased a full um, three quarters of a fully loaded fire truck um, for use in our community. 
So now we're dealing with this recession that we're kind of in. So we're looking at now 67% of our customers will come back into the community. We're working on the calculations now. What will it take to get us back to where we were and then beyond that? With stories like Sierra and with Cora and Peggy and Casey and John, those are the things that we really want to focus on. How do we rebuild this local economy, right? So thank you. Know, it sounded like, John, you were hopping in a minute ago. Did you have something to offer? Uh, yeah, I, um, one of the, the exciting uh, outcomes of this pandemic has been uh, the way we have moved online in so many ways. Um, and um, one of the surprising outcomes is it sped up the process of local businesses becoming more accessible for shopping online and interacting with people online. Um, and I'll give you an example of, of how we exchange in-person intimacy for online in intimacy. Um, much like we're doing the town hall online here, uh, the Flood Country Store um, can't do the Friday night jamboree like they used to because it's, it's a very intimate venue. There's a lot of people crammed into a very small space. Um, and what they've been doing is showcasing music online. They have a Friday night online performance. Um, a lot of businesses uh, have been very creative in how it, not just retail, it, it's yoga instructors moving their yoga classes outside. Um, now that the governor has uh, uh, opened up outdoor recreation, it's been exciting to see as long as the weather cooperates, yeah. uh, how things have moved outside in, in an acceptable physical distancing format. Um, but I, I, you know, it needed to happen uh, for a lot of businesses to, to create a new revenue stream for online sales. And there are some uh, silver linings in the clouds here and there, and, and that was one of them, is the acceleration of people taking that leap to put their, their products, their goods, their services online and make it accessible 24 hours. Great. Well, thank you all for sharing all those positive stories. It's impressive to see the businesses and the community rallying support for sure. Um, Cheryl, can you share with us an overview of your services at the Small Business Development Center and a little bit about how your work has changed as a result of COVID-19? Well, uh, yes. Thank you, Kevin. And yes, it has been um, a very interesting uh, time for us. Uh, as part of being funded by the Small Business Administration, we also are obligated to work with FEMA. Well, we've never had to do anything like that. And it's now it's just, it's a worldwide issue. So I never really expected that I'd be, you know, having going and helping businesses come back uh, due to a pandemic, we knew that we would be on call if there were tornadoes or, or hurricanes to get everybody back up to speed as fast as possible. We've also, we've been acting as the first line responder to the small businesses and we have our website <clears throat> and our, uh, 
throughout the state of Virginia and our traffic has increased by 400%. So we had basically for the first couple months there, we were in having uh, mainly COVID-19 questions. Uh, what do we do? Uh, you know, and many times that advising was, you know, it, it, it's just, it was just, it's been a very, very difficult time for these businesses. And we work with the businesses one-on-one -on -one to create their own individual business plan forward marketing plan. A lot of businesses, as uh, John had said, have had to pivot. Um, and I think that's a sentiment from, from all of you from, you know, their brick and mortar or the restaurants to the takeout delivery, the, the supply chain. Um, and what uh, the Small Business Development Center does is we work pro bono with Small, all small businesses, and that's considered 500 people or less, 500 employees or less, which is quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> but we mainly work with with the smaller. 60% of our clients are existing, have been existing clients or existing businesses, and we 40% have been or have been usually startups. Um, I'm pleased to say that I actually have several small businesses moving forward not that are starting new businesses in the area. And so that there, there's, there's SBA funding out there to help that some people are being able to move forward in this environment. Um, I do have to say the most difficult uh, ones have been the restaurant industry in the within the tourism and this is like the time that <clears throat> they were they're gearing up for their seasonal businesses so um, again we offer if you get it, our website again is www.roanokesmallbusiness.org and I did want to highlight several um, resources we have. This is, we, we along with the State of Virginia and the Small Business Administration, uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce and um, Treasury Departments, and I know I'm missing several, have updated, been talking, passing along information, and we've been updating all the local SBDC have been updating their website with these new um, this new information and <clears throat> from that link you can uh, add your email and we will be sending any reopening recovery or resiliency information as it comes along we have upcoming webinars that we're doing locally but we also have upcoming webinars for that we push out for other other things, for example, is this town hall. Um, and we also have recorded webinars. Um, and these also come from the state level. So we have, they have a wonderful series going on through virginiasmallbusiness.org, which the links are on the website directly to it. So you don't have to um, be confused with that. Um, as you <clears throat> roll down, we have an, you, ha you have an opportunity to 
and meet and schedule an appointment directly with an advisor online directly to our calendar. If you are in an emergency, we've initiated a uh, disaster um, chat room so that if there is something that is uh, that you need an answer on very quickly, we're manning that and it's in the right hand bottom corner of our um, website that we'll get back to you it, you know, as soon as possible. We also have, um, again, it's, it's almost so much information, but we have a recovery assessments. This was done by the whole state of Virginia. Um, and they suggest no matter where you are in your stage of business that you take a look at all of those individual things and where, where, where you are, where you need to go, are you gonna be able to go? And then we, we suggest you make an appointment with one, again, with one of our advisors. And we also have certain volunteer specialty um, advisors that and for specific uh, special uh, questions. So, and that whole listing of all of those um, volunteers are also, you can directly book a session with them. Um, so, a main thing we've also been doing over the last uh, is these PPP payroll protection program and the economic injury disaster loan program, which we've all been hearing about. And we have been guiding and working with individual businesses one-on-one -on -one for their personal situation, trying to help them get through and understand it, the red tape involved, documentation needed, and uh, to be hopefully be able to take advantage of all the benefits of, of those loans. And there's still, what I have learned is one thing right now, everything is moving parts. No one really has the answer exactly, and it changes every day. And we just ask for everybody to be patient and flexible at this point. And Sharon, you used to work for the SBDC or an SBDC. I ran it yeah, in Florida. Yeah, so she's aware too of some of the things we do. We also have direct links to the Small Business Administration um, and some of their resources. They have online, online business courses. Uh, again, it's a plethora of, of information. You know, you can sit down and kind of go through it, go through each of the tabs. Um, and we even on our resource page, you can actually search by topic. We have, again, um, uh, resources from all over the United States, state and local. And uh, the, uh, uh, our, the New River Valley uh, program that you, we are doing here tonight, NRV Stronger Together too, uh, is included on that. Great. Well, thank you, Cheryl. You have a whole host of resources. And I know you all are valuable in the services you provide to the Newer Valley. So thank you. And I, I guess I would also just basically, in a nutshell, we're resource connector. We won't, we can't maybe answer all, we won't, are not going to be able to answer all the questions, but I know I can reach out to any of the other panelists here to help with the 
the businesses, uh, you know, the regional commissions, the develop economic development groups. We just have, um, you know, there's just so many wonder re wonderful resources in the New River Valley. And our major goal is to increase um, or create jobs, retain jobs, increase your capital expenditures, increase the sales in the area, and provide any services that would help you as with your economic development in the New River Valley to move forward. Great, thank you. Well, I know many of you on our panel tonight are involved with community events. And Casey, I understand that Downtown Blacksburg, Inc., you all coordinate and deliver a whole host of programs, uh, but one of those being the Summer Solstice event and the Stepping Out Festival, which is well regarded in the region. And both of those were canceled recently. Uh, can you start us off on a discussion around the decision-making process and thoughts that are involved with the community events for the summer? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I guess, you know, the first thing is that was no easy decision to make. Um, that was, especially for an event like Stepping Out, which brings uh, about 40,000 people to downtown Blacksburg. Um, as you mentioned, for all of our summer events, summer solstice, Art at the Market, and Stepping Out, we did cancel um, in person the physical event for each of those for the summer 2020. Um, and the reason we did so was um, the one thing before a revenue stream for ourselves, the businesses, or the vendors that take part in these festivities is public safety. Uh, and we, we cannot, in good conscience, do that, uh, especially for a Stepping Out that is 40,000 people. We, we just cannot pull that off uh, within that downtown footprint. So um, we want, you know, Stepping Out in particular was created to generate um, business um, and generate cash flow in a time that students are historically gone. So it's otherwise a slow time. So it really does hit the business community quite hard, especially with Stepping Out. Um, we look to, pro to possibly reschedule to the fall. Um, that provides a whole set of logistical challenges and also the uncertainty of exactly what Virginia Tech will do at this point as well. So with that being said, um, you know, as much as revenue is important to everyone and, and to the organization, there's no question, um, public safety will always come first. And in my mind and, and, the, and the board of directors for DBI as well and the committees, that's something that will always be prioritized first. Uh, and so that was what we, that was the decision we had to unfortunately make, but it was absolutely a necessary decision for our summer events. And we will come back stronger than ever next year uh, for those events. So stay tuned. We also will have some online programming that we can do to generate business development and generate cash flow for businesses that they would have received during those times. Very good. Anybody else with thoughts on community events that you've been involved with? Just wanted to plug our um, Radford, our West End Wednesdays, and um, we had a, have a series of those that start for the summertime, and they've completely changed um, the way that those are being attended, and they're attended and recorded on Facebook Live. Um, the first one was and um, had a great attendance and following on that evening, and a local band played, and um, there were the selling and um, just kind of marketing of uh, local art and things like that. And so they, they really had to, uh, same with the farmer's market in Radford as well. And I know many of our other panelists have talked about farmer's markets many times and um, how do you uh, continue with the social distancing standards and 
you know, keeping everyone healthy and clean. And so one thing our farmer's market started to do is, you know, you can, the vendor has to be able to uh, hand you what you're requesting. There's no touching of, of items and that's really important to, you know, cut down on that germ exposure. So um, I'm really just proud of all of our local uh, event planners and tourism directors. And, you know, one of our largest events in Radford, our food truck rodeo down at Bissett Park um, was canceled. And so that was a hit to the gut for, I know a lot of people. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful event that brings uh, thousands of people down to one of our largest assets in Radford, which is Bissett Park. Um, and so, but I, I'm with Casey, I feel like it'll be better than ever and we'll come back stronger. And this will be innovative um, kind of trends that go along with this pandemic uh, will probably serve the customers and, and attendees of these events better. Uh, make you think about on a planning stance, um, some different things that you hadn't considered before as far, to, as far as sanitation stations and things like that go, which are very important now. Um, and same for internally, our uh, golf tournament, uh, we had to reschedule that for September and just all the things that come along with this on an event standpoint so right. I, i'd yeah. like to uh, uh, yeah i'd like to just point out that um the community has also been very supportive of some of these major events that have been canceled such as flood fest um one of the really cool things that have happened is people have rolled over their uh prepaid tickets to the following year um, and there have been some opportunities. Uh, Floyd Fest is able to, there's been excitement for, for this year's merchandise, uh, logo merchandise for, for the, uh, this year's theme. And they're actually doing fairly well with selling the merchandise that they had planned to sell during the event. But I, I just wanted to point out those two interesting dynamics going on is the willingness of the community to really step up and support um, the event that had to make that difficult decision to cancel this year in, in the interest of everyone's safety. Thanks for sharing that, John. We have a little bit more than five minutes left, and I want to talk some about tourism. I know Virginia Tourism Corporation has been doing a lot of data analysis and that, you know, trying to understand what the traveler trends are going to be looking like this summer. So what are some of the emerging trends that you all are observing and, and how are you uh, positioning your communities to take advantage of that? Yeah, I'll love to take, start that answer off. So uh, I was on the front slide of this um, presentation this evening, but I would encourage everyone, you have access to some of this data that is coming out through Virginia Tourism. You can see that on batc.org, but you know, I'll start with some of the kind of bad news uh, that we all know is out there. Um, but even in kind of baseline scenarios, our communities are looking at 50% or more reduction in tourism spending. And, and that's a baseline. Um, it can get worse from that. Um, but, you know, of those numbers, we also know that 60% of travelers have changed their plans um, within the next six months but travel planning is still happening. And so there's a, while it is uh, detrimental right now, and it will take a while to come back, there is travel planning happening. Of those that are still planning to travel, 
we know that 26% of those travelers are gonna change their plans to something they can drive to. And that average drive time is about 539 miles. And that comes from Destination Analysts, who is um, another resource that Virginia Tourism helps share information. And so if we look as a community of the New River Valley, 539 miles from us, there's still a lot of people. And there's still a lot of opportunity within our region to welcome guests and visitors um, to, to this part of the, the state. Mm -hmm. uh, we also know that they reported, um, destination analysts reported this week that um, the next, of, next opportunity folks are looking to do a trip, the next bump will be July. So that's, to me, seems positive. Um, but they also don't think that's going to stabilize through the winter. However, the number of cancellations is reducing. So the people that already had a trip booked that did not cancel, we know are holding on to that reservation to see how things play out. We also know um, from uh, Longwoods International and Virginia Tourism that guidance from the CDC and, and um, health related officials, that's a guiding principle in their decision making right now from a, from a trip and, and leisure travel standpoint. Um, the, I said travel planning is happening and for all of us, some excellent news for all of our communities what people feel safest doing, projecting forward, is things that are outdoor-based, that are nature-based, that can be done while still socially distancing. So all of our communities that are here represented tonight certainly have assets and, and uh, attractions and places to eat and things to do that we are um, looking positive for being able to um, encourage safely and responsibly those day trippers or, or drivecationers, staycationers to the New River Valley. Do you have any advice or guidelines about bringing visitors into our community at this time? So certainly um, what many others have echoed tonight, the, uh, the confidence piece of your consumer is what business owners need to be able to respond to. So within yourself and your team, um, again, looking at uh, policies or guidelines as they've been put forth, but also um, what I have shared with many of our tourism businesses is as you interact with your customers, what are their expectations and how can you address those and meet those? Um, so many of our tourism-based businesses uh, have obviously repeat customers or folks from out of the area. So it's hard to say the New River Valley feels X, Y, or Z. The, the customer is, is how the business should respond um, and is responding. We have guides and outfitters, uh, we have restaurants, we have lodging partners that have all taken the necessary steps to respond to their customers' needs, which is what small businesses need to do um, now and in the future. Well, if somebody was looking for a staycation in the New River Valley, what would you all be recommending they do? Oh, I'm going to have to jump on this one. I'm going to go uh, with the water trail. I would, I, well, there's certainly many things, and Kevin, you actually aren't going to pin me to, to naming one thing, but I would say uh, within our area, we have also been working on promoting this area and all of our communities 
and the things to do. And so I'd encourage folks to look at Visit NRV on Facebook and Instagram as a place and a resource for all of us um, have the opportunity to share those resources of great places to stay Kate and drive Kate to. Very good. Yeah, we have an abundance of natural recreation assets that welcome people to come and explore and take on. Well, we are rapidly approaching the end of our one hour program. This hour flies by every week and the community has done a remarkable job submitting excellent questions for our, our, span, our, our panel that I think they provided some very thoughtful responses for. I'd like to thank each of our panelists for participating this evening. I'd like to also express my appreciation for the work that they perform on a regular basis to support local and small businesses throughout the newer Valley. This sector represents a significant portion of our economy in the newer Valley, and you all are involved in the frontline support role of recovery for the region. As we look to the future, the New River Valley Public Health Task Force is creating the playbook to help everyone in the NRV navigate the next phase, recovery. This series of virtual town halls is your opportunity to continue that conversation. We invite you to join us each Wednesday at 6 p.m. If you're not able to watch live, the series will be archived on YouTube. Links will also be broadcast to agency websites and social media. The series will also be rebroadcast on local access cable stations, including Comcast and Shintel Channel 190 for Christiansburg and Montgomery County, along with Comcast Channel 2 in Blacksburg. A summary of tonight's town hall will be available online at montva.com forward slash NRV town hall. Also, our panelists referenced several online resources tonight. Links to those resources will be available on the rebroadcast and the meeting summary. Additional dates and topics include the following. June 3rd, education focusing on K through 12. June 10th, education focusing on colleges and universities. Before we wrap up this evening, I'd like to extend a special thank you to those behind the scenes who are making the virtual town hall series possible. And they're the public information officers who serve local governments, agencies, and higher education institutions in the region. This program would not be possible without their contributions. So thank you all and be well. That concludes the recording of this virtual town hall meeting. We hope you found it informative and will share it with others in our community. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you'd like to stay up to date on these meetings and other happenings in Montgomery County. If you have questions about COVID-19 recovery efforts in our area and would like to submit a question, visit montva.com slash nrvtownhall.